0: up good people of the internet it's time for another episode of hype is my superpower i'm one of your hosts steve storman i am calling in from brooklyn new york and joining me via the miracles of modern technology it's my good buddy will freeland from santa barbara california well how you doing
1: i'm good man um it was a light week for reading for comic book reading for me and it makes me sad but other other than that like there's life is good life is grand having fun doing podcast stuff
0: good to hear glad to hear yeah you uh you just helped somebody move right just now i did i
1: helped somebody move this morning old friend of mine from high school
0: i yeah yeah. i've always really appreciated admired this about you is that you you seek it out somebody somebody needs help moving i don't even need to ask you you're like i'm there I'm helping yeah. you move.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sent me the follow up text on like Tuesday. It Was like, hey, just making sure you're still in. I was like, yep. Yeah, just me time and place, time yeah. and address. And he was like, okay. But yeah, this is like the fourth time I've helped them move. Him and his <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the only time. It's the only time we spend time together is helping people move. Well, it's a, it's a
0: good way to to make sure you <laughs> see somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have to say I'm 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 not there with you. I, I don't have the same passion for. For helping people move, I'll do it if asked for sure. But um, oh yeah, you know I, it. It's funny because because uh, you didn't move as a kid, right? You right, yeah. Right, your whole childhood you
1: you, st- you were in two house two different apartments every single year.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both my both my mom and my dad dad moved nearly every year when I was a kid. So lots yeah. of addresses not a not a fan of moving now although <laughs> i really i really slowed it down recently in the last 10 years i've only lived in three different addresses
1: it's not bad yeah it's pretty, that's pretty damn solid
0: <laughs> i know right anyway i don't have that many comics to talk about this week either because the bulk of my reading was don of x volume one which yeah. you fucking juked
1: me on man i absolutely did i i did <laughs> I, I have, there's it, it's such a cop-out to say life but like hey, life. life is yeah <laughs> but i do have some good stuff to talk about okay uh do we want to go into questions or we want to go into uh comics
0: so yeah we're gonna we're gonna make up the difference this week by answering some listener questions so yeah, what, I don't know. What do you feel like doing first?
1: I think uh, I think going into the comics real quick will be good so we can get it out of the way. And then uh, my conversation topic will be a good segue into listener questions. Perfect, let's do it. Okay, so comics. I finished Ted Coates' uh, Captain America. Oh yeah, how uh, was the rest of that? Volume three. Interesting, this is what we're going to talk about second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I also read Annihilation Scourge. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, storylines pulled together for this one. It so conceptually, I really like the cosmic crossovers because they have just like one alpha issue and an omega issue, and then all the side stories happen in between that move the story along. Mm, yeah, yeah, like Annihilation did it, Annihilation uh, Conquest did it.
0: You get the bookends, and then sort of the meat is yeah. character focused, kind of. Yeah, Realm yeah. of
1: Kings did it, War of Kings, all that stuff. So, so this book annihilation scourge is just alpha fantastic four nova silver surfer beta ray bill omega Mm. and by the time you get to omega some stuff has happened off screen that like for someone like me i'm like wait what happened but Mm. for the story it's not a big deal yeah Um, yeah yeah like uh okay so what what is the premise of annihilation scourge let's talk about that first let's talk about that (laughs) We're this is focused it's negative zone focused okay and annihilus and blast are the kind of the rulers of negative zone yeah. and something is attacking them and they think it's the other one until they find out when they cross paths oh it's not them it's a third party mm. and these things seem to be undying and they make reference to the many angled ones. And then you're like, ooh, because that, that... sounds familiar.
0: I don't remember. Yeah. What, yeah. what 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 are the many angled ones? I the I... many
1: angled one is the the big bad god guy from the Cancerverse. Oh. Oh. So <laughs> So, so so flashback to War of Kings right. Vulcan versus Black Bolt right. the the resulting explosion of Black Bolt screaming and Vulcan going all out creates yeah. a uh, rips open a hole in the universe creates yep. the, it's called the uh, fracture i think is what it's called the, the fault um, the the yeah the fault yeah and it gets bigger and bigger and then eventually during Realm of the Kings we go in there and see what's going on and that is has been dubbed the cancer verse because okay. in that universe death died and so right. the concept of death is gone in that universe and so everything that dies just automatically is reborn and rebirthed and and gets more weird looking and (laughs) and and tentacles and creepy and horror movie type stuff. Yeah. So that's the cancer verse. At the (laughs) at the end of Realm of Kings, Thanos and Nova and uh Star Lord get trapped there. Star Lord has a fractured cosmic cube and Nova has all the entirety of the Nova Force because the entire Nova core has died and It's just the two of them fighting Thanos, keeping them there. Eventually Thanos gets back and then eventually Star-Lord comes back. And then eventually after that, (laughs) Nova has (laughs) come back. Uh, Nova came back infected with stuff from the Cancerverse. It's like the cosmic stories haven't forgotten about the Cancerverse. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So at the end of another storyline based on Earth, Sentry and the Void, are at battle with each other again. Sentry is straight out of the 50s. He is is the power of a thousand exploding suns. He is nigh omnipotent. He is one of the closest things Marvel has to Superman. Except for Um, the other Marvel Superman. Except for the... Exactly. (laughs) Except for the other Marvel (laughs) Superman. But every powerful being has some sort of counter and centuries counter is the void and part of the void's power is reality manipulation and so the void actively removes the existence of the century from everybody's memory but and that was their excuse for him being gone from comics for like 40 years yeah but people remember him now Reed Richards he's Reed Richards and Bob Reynolds. Bob Reynolds is the human side of the Century. They are old friends. Reed Richards considers Bob one of his oldest friends. Sure. At least that's what he says in here. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's weird because I know they have a history, but anyway. Right. anyway.
0: It's also interesting that they would bring Sentry back now because he had such a complete arc in the New Avengers era. Right. In, in the Bendis, you know, he really wrote him from start to finish. Oh, through
1: into like Siege into siege
0: yeah. yeah and and you're like okay this is like a, a good ending point for this character i wouldn't have been mad if i never
1: read another century story after that right so bob goes to read in in the past i forget in which comic but he goes to read and he's like can you help me separate the void from me like let's make oh. this come on like help yeah. me out here and Reed is like with science and physics in our world, it's not going to happen. Mm. But physics works differently in the negative zone. Oh, you could try there. Oh. Um, and so he goes, Okay, I'm going to go read. You stay here. And he was like, Fine, just let me know. If anything goes wrong, please reach out. So, okay. Uh-huh. So, Sentry goes to the negative zone. He successfully splits Sentry Void from Bob Reynolds, and he is now just a regular human. And uh-huh. now, uh, and they both are missing a piece of themselves. And then there's a tear in the negative zone that is connected to the cancer verse and the, and the undying revengers come across Sentry and they're both just like, Hey, uh, we both have this thing missing from ourselves on the inside. Let's band together and just be. And so Sentry leads the attack and Attempted takeover of the negative zone. It's a whole thing. okay <laughs> So, Annihilus and Blastar are forced to recruit heroes from the positive realm, and those heroes end up being Nova, Beta Ray Bill, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four. Right. Yeah, it was very interesting. The reason why I say, like, time passed and, and things just are odd in Omega it goes alpha and then fantastic four. And so you see the fantastic four kind of closer to the beginning of their, uh the story. And then when we come back in Omega, we see fantastic four and Ben Grimm, the thing has, has a cast. Oh, like his arm has been broken oh. at some point in this war. Okay. Um, at this point, this is day 74 of the war. So like somewhere in the last two and a half months, his arm was broken and so that was odd and then all of a sudden we get to read and he has kind of like a a negative zone bug arm Mm. and like it doesn't take away from the story not knowing why that is yeah but i'm really curious (laughs) like it's so strange yeah Um, it was a good and interesting story oh it served as a partial story arc for johnny Because Mm. this is his first time back in the Negative Zone since he was trapped there and killed multiple, multiple times. Yeah. And we'll have to talk about that storyline at some point. But he still has... Pikmin
0: special. Yeah.
1: He still has nightmares from that time. And in that storyline, he becomes the, the ruler of the Negative Zone. And so he's still known to a lot of the populace of the Negative Zone. And so he is rallying the troops of the negative zone to try to help fight the many angled ones the Mm unknown ones so this is kind of johnny coming to terms and closing that chapter Mm -hmm. yeah so he's now kind of a war general for the negative zone this served as a getting over it story for nova because of the trauma he went through with the cancer verse yeah um and like the whole ex- his whole experience of purging the cancer virus from his body after he got back to six one six. So it was it was very interesting. Also, I really need to go back and read Silver Surfer Black because it's an off size book. I thought it was some random side story. Oh yeah, but it is the story of what happened to him when he got sucked into a black hole, and everyone got sucked into a black hole in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. Okay. I've seen him twice now where he is black and this is how it happened. So I need to, <laughs> I need to read that. <laughs> sure. um, so yeah, Annihilation Scourge was interesting and it, w- it was fun. It seemed to jump a few stories here and there. I feel like I'm missing a side book. Mm. So I'm gonna have to look into that. Like yeah. a, it, w- it would have been called Annihilation Scourge Companion yeah i i think there's some stuff that i'm missing so i'm gonna look into that and see if i mm-hmm. am but so that's that Do you have any questions should we keep going let's keep going yeah. dude i'm i i feel like i'm on like a sugar high right now you're I'm, fucking I'm cruising just, man let's I'm, I'm, I'm going i'm going <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh captain america volume three it's more uh him teaming up with the daughters of liberty we get a little more insight into who they are and then we have this guy who goes by the name of Scourge. But unrelated it's to
0: Annihilation Scourge. Right? Also unrelated to Asgardian Scourge.
1: Yes. Because at least that one is spelled differently. <laughs> um, it is it is very interesting because the idea behind Scourge in this is Scourge is an idea. Okay. Um, it's kind of like a Captain America level Hydra. Well, even though Hydra is Cap. But like... It's a Hydra without an organization. Mm. It's like it's like a cult following. There's no like meetings or anything. It's just the belief right. of Scourge. And there just happens to always be someone who supports it. Mm-hmm. Uh US Agent is here who has a, a grudge against Captain America because of Steve o. Rogers kind of thing. It's it's it's, okay. it's more backlash from uh Hydra Steve, really.
0: Speaking of That character. Do we need to talk about (laughs) do we need to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier a little bit today? Dude. We'll see if we have
1: time. No, so I think we should just do review at the end of the season. Okay. Just like we did for WandaVision.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go episode by episode reviewing things. Right.
1: Exactly. But uh the (laughs) time because I wasn't (laughs) sure if you'd seen it yet. I didn't I I didn't send you what I sent John. Okay. But I sent John just three lines of ha 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 because whoever they hired to be the person at the last scene. How do you he's wear so like so small. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's so small. Also, how do you look like that much of a jackass under a mask?
1: Right right it's just his it's just oh anyway okay so (laughs) offline we should talk about yeah okay 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 but okay so we find out we do a little backstory into the daughters of liberty and the daughters of liberty are kind of they seem kind of like okay do you do you remember hickman's shield yeah
0: uh, vaguely.
1: Yeah, it's just conceptually. So in Hickman's Shield, they spend some time going into like the idea of Shield from all the way back in like ancient Egypt. And yeah,
0: that was like Leonardo
1: fucking Da Vinci. Yeah. And so ancient Egypt is when a celestial came down and all these big players from Egypt gathered together to become a shield for earth against celestials. Mm-hmm. And among them is like apocalypse and the first moon Knight, And uh, I right. think there's another big name down there at, at the time. But anyway, point is shield has this storied history in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Daughters of Liberty now have that too. Okay. But um, okay. Are you familiar with a force?
0: Yeah. So, a, I mean, Force, I, I haven't read any of it, but I know no, that it's it's uh, all I, female Avengers. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. So, Daughters of Liberty is kind of the street level A Force. Okay, it's like Misty Knight, Sharon Carter, Invisible Woman, White Tiger, sure. Echo. She's okay. back. Cool. Um, Spider Woman. There's a couple others, but point is, as far as like who is currently a member of the Daughters of Liberty. Sure. So, what I wanted to ask you. Do you feel that when comics, so like in S.H.I.E.L.D., when they write in like Leonardo da Vinci and him being involved with like the background of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Nostradamus being part of this futurist side of S.H.I.E.L.D. and influencing people like Stark over the years and yada, yada, yada? Sure. Do you feel like that takes away from the legacy of the person in our? world and what they should be in that world. Yes.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I do. It's I think you're running a big risk when you try and not so much that it's a bad thing to try and like shoehorn like a a, as distant a historical figure as Leonardo da Vinci or Nostradamus or something into your own story. I, I mean I think it makes for an interesting story in the immediate. It makes it much harder to write vanilla like a vanilla shield story after that. It's like, well, how does this make sense with this long history that, you know, we mostly haven't seen, or it, you know, was, you suddenly have this mythic origin for something that for, for a person, a character or an organization or a storyline, a set of storylines that doesn't usually hit on that mythic sort of level. And so it kind of has a mismatched sense of scope. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't always land with me.
1: Right. So, oh, another member of the Daughters of Liberty, or at least she's tangentially involved, Yeah, is Agatha Harkness. Okay, yeah. Agatha gets an issue where she takes Steve through a visual history of the daughters and, like, where they came from and yada, yada, yeah. to introduce them to the idea. It's been around for, like, 500 years. Anyway, sure. so she, we get this view of the, like, Victorian era kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, just judging by the the dresses it says it all started here Stephen with the daughters of light they were born in an era of free ideas free feeling and free expression but that freedom was not for everyone they say behind every great man there's a great woman what they never say is how hard these great men work to make sure it stays that way no matter even as a prophet dies the gospel lives And so it just it just shows like it's kind of it's implied as, as like during the like enlightenment period yeah yeah and all the names you ever hear about the enlightenment period are typically men. Yeah. Um, And then, so she talks about, and the the gospel was profound in an era of new knowledge. Men needed new guardians to ensure this knowledge was not used to rape and plunder. Hmm. And for that reason, perhaps these guardians should not be men at all, but a sisterhood trained by the sword, by sorcery, by science.
0: Well, Um, then they failed pretty hard. Cause like (laughs) you've got, so so
1: it's got the girls training by sword by magic, yeah. by science, and just kind of all these things going on in the background. And no longer then were we merely daughters of the light, but daughters of liberty led by our captain, the Dryad. Mm. In this land of alleged enlightenment, the daughters of the Dryad safeguarded freedom no matter what face it took. And it shows, at least it implies as much, that Harriet Tubman was okay. the daughter of liberty. So I saw that and now I wonder if that taints Harriet Tubman
0: doesn't hate Harriet Tubman but it makes me wonder where they were like throughout every other colonial (laughs) right like enlightenment ideals you know the dark side of that which was very real was that it fueled this sort of progress driven narrative that fueled colonialism and did rape and pillage and enslave you know massive parts of the world so whoops (laughs)
1: right so and and so like i liked it so like my knee-jerk reaction was like oh cool they're they're working in real world references into this like legacy to uh it like i yeah it just leaves you with so many
0: more it's it's kind of like opening up the same story the same issues that you were talking about with captain america in the not this book, but the the previous one where you're like, well, yeah. where, where have, you know, all of these superheroes been through all these historical injustices, except you're opening up more than just contemporaneous comics publishing history. You're opening up the sum of human history.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot just, of dark shit so, there. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I guess I got nervous. Not that everyone in the world reads captain america right but like and like not even all comic people read Captain right. america but it's just like if i were writing i don't know if i would make that claim yeah of, it's it's like it's weird to say appropriating because that's such a hot word but like sure it's it's like it felt like taking credit for the great things that people have done mm. in a weird yeah, sense I
0: can, I can see that yeah
1: you know and so and then i started to feel like bad because i'm just like but she did that because things just needed to, things were wrong. Right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. she was, she, her actions were a product of her time, not uh, because she was a member of the Daughters of Liberty. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. And so, so I started just going back and forth and, and just circling in my head. And so that I, I really wanted, especially with your involvement in all things political, <laughs> uh, I, I, wa- I wanted your uh, perspective on that. Just like, it's just, it's kind of a weird thing to make those kinds of claims of someone else's legacy. Yeah, for sure. To the point where, like, I'm a, so sort of tangent, but like, I bought a bunch of Legos from lego.com, and <laughs> the gift with purchase for after you, if you spend $75, is this tribute to Amelia Earhart. Oh. Uh-huh. And having read this, it makes me surprised that no <laughs> one's claimed Amelia Earhart for me. <laughs>
0: I'm sure if you go on Marvel wiki and look up Amelia Earhart, she's got a backstory. Yeah. I mean, Santa is a
1: mutant. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll claim Santa. If I was a mutant, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. He's mine.
1: (laughs) Uh, But uh, I feel like it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Cause. And, and I, it's one of those things where I almost feel bad for comic book writers because they have this edict of keep it based in our reality, mm. but tell something super. Yeah. It's,
0: it's an impossible contradiction. And sometimes you just have to hand wave it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> that's been and, in the, But in
0: sometimes, the, you know, especially if you're me and increasingly you, I guess I'm rubbing off on you. You have to overthink <laughs> it to death.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, now that we're doing a podcast and we're yeah. just like, we're, we actually have an avenue to really deep dive into some of this stuff it's it's, it's just screamed let's talk about this absolutely but yeah i'm really curious to see you know who else is gonna be like claimed (laughs) for like a better (laughs) phrase like there's an an there's an anime where joan of arc is a heroic spirit that they could claim on to fight this war anyway uh, yeah
0: i mean it also reminds me of an indie book that matt fraction wrote and i forget who his uh collaborators were with that And forgive me uh good artists of the world i, I value your contributions tremendously <laughs> you are co-storytellers never since the word i just don't remember this specific artist at the moment maybe i'll edit it in later but it, it's called five fists of science and it's mark twain nikola tesla some other historical figure who maybe I'll also edit in, (laughs) but it's a little different because you're not dragging this historical figure into your giant alternate history, collaborative fiction project. You know, you don't, you don't have expectations of Canon with this and you can Mm -hmm. just kind of tell a silly story, but it also goes to kind of illustrate sometimes in which you have to either let things go when reading Marvel, you know, Sometimes it's like, yes, this is part of this massive collaborative fiction project that's spanning decades upon decades, which is, it's an incredibly ambitious thing to write. Like, you know, I I love to read thousand page postmodern doorstops of novels, you know, like I love, I love Thomas Pynchon and he writes just these impenetrable blocks of text and just like yes, give it to me. I want all of it. And even that's like a less audacious in terms of scale project than what the Marvel universe has adapted into. But like, when you're dealing with a meta story on that scale, it can get in the way of just telling a good story. Right? Yeah. And so sometimes you just have to let one thing be one thing. And understand that, there's an inherent contradiction in what they're trying to do. Sometimes you just have as much as it pains me to say this, right? Me of all people, sometimes you have to not overthink it. Sometimes you just have to let it go. Yeah. That's yeah, true. That's true.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you but can't, but like... but
0: but but also like it it is. Like in the in the moment of it, like what does it say that you're claiming Harriet Tubman to be part of your your history or this this organization? Like you are claiming legitimacy, historical legitimacy for the story that you're telling immediately. And this isn't even about broader Marvel, Mm -hmm. you know, vis a vis Harriet Tubman uh, or history. It's it's literally about the story you're trying to tell. So there's a push and pull there, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I get that it is. Tennessee, Right. Uh, of course he's gonna pull someone like Harry Tubman in. But it it's it um Yeah, I had I had I just had mi- I had mixed reactions to the idea. Um sure. and I was I was I was lucky and glad that you had the frame of reference of like Da Vinci and Mostradamus <laughs> of Hickman's <laughs> shield. Yeah, yeah, that it's, was a good it's example. the same kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, taking real and amazing individuals and putting them in the scope of a Marvel storyline that isn't supposed to be real. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That was my uh, conversation topic. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I guess I'll talk briefly about the things that I read this week. Like I said, there isn't that much of it. Cause I read, <laughs> cause I read Don of X volume one. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to talk with you about that later. But it also made, because I, as soon as you told me that you were reading that this week, I skipped straight, almost straight to it. I finished off the storyline that I was in the <laughs> middle of. And I was like, okay, no more 90s. Let's get to the good stuff. And then I finished. It was very hard to, you know, because I've got all the all the next issues in each of the.
1: Oh uh, my gosh, yeah. It was
0: very hard to just stop there. But I did for you man did it for That's you
1: very impressive <laughs> it's very impressive
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and it was it was tough to go back to 90s x-men after that and uh, i guess this is a conversation topic that i can pull in for you is uh man we're never going to get to listener questions at this rate uh <laughs> um just from a from a publishing sense, like this week I read, in addition to the Imperial Guard miniseries, which was entirely forgettable. Uh, the premise is that because the heroes are dead right after Onslaught, Lalandra sends the Imperial Guard to Earth to just help out with whatever's going on. And, and then, but there's terrible things going on in the Shi'ar Imperium. Uh, there's a phalanx invasion, and I haven't read this yet. But basically, they're gonna they're sending the X Men out to Shi'ar space. Just a little switcheroo there. Uh, it, it was it was very silly. It was so this this was written like an 80s comic or or earlier, actually definitely earlier, like 60s or 70s comic. Like very little naturalistic about it. You know, the, the characters are just kind of like stock uh, pulp portraits, and there's no real attempt to, to grasp into, like, how does an alien feel on Earth or like mm. any of this stuff. Their, their villains are Kree, pink Cree posing as human who are trying to sow division because they blame Earth heroes for the destruction of Hala, the Cree homeworld, and the Supreme Intelligence and then the supreme intelligence takes over rick jones's body and uh, rebirths itself through manipulating the decree into setting off a nega bomb on earth and rick jones into absorbing the power because he's given him superpowers temporarily and it was it was silly it was not really worth remembering <laughs> but besides that what i read this week i read Two issues of X-Force, issues 63 and 64, X-Factor, issue 131, Cable, issue 42, Amazing Spider-Man, issue 420, and X-Man, issue 25. Now, the reason I read the issue numbers is because they're large numbers. That doesn't happen anymore. And I used to be like, man, like you don't get a sense of history. Like they're rebooting these titles all the time. Like they'll, they'll jump back to original numbering as soon as they hit a big round number to have an anniversary around. And then they'll, you know, start over from issue ones because they sell better and like very cynical look at it. But, you know, I also have to recognize reading this full relaunch of, of x-men right next to all of these long running titles the things that the that lack from the long titles too because I'm I'm like, searching for a narrative direction that's as clear and strong in x factor number 131 you know like why has x factor what what is the through line for x factor why why is there an x factor title in 1997 that they have allowed to get to 131 issues because it's changing one it's changing all the time like you may as well start it over Right, like for the first seventy-something issues, it was the original five X-Men. Within that time frame, they changed from being pretending to be like anti-mutant humans with ads all over the place, and then they'd get a call, and then they secretly like put on their superhero outfits and save the day. And then from that to like straightforward open superheroes who parked the ship, the celestial ship in the middle of of Manhattan and it was like five miles tall and everybody's like this ruined all our views of everything (laughs) Um, but they're heroes and they save the city so I guess we're okay with it and then like then they left and joined the X-Men and, and it was the government team with uh Havoc, Polaris, Strong Guy, Madrox, Quicksilver, Wolfsbane, and then Peter David left the run and almost all of those characters left too. You know, so it, it's there's no narrative through line here. Like you may as well reboot it, but also very often you just don't have any good stories to tell with this title. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't think they're, 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 I feel like they're really straining and they've got five teen books, each have an average of like nine characters in them. And it's just like, there's so many mutants and we're just trying to keep them all in circulation because everyone is someone's favorite and just straining for these excuses to to keep the publishing going. And I can see why this is just not a good era for X-Men stories, (laughs) because there's there's just no good reason to keep publishing all these Mm -hmm. uh, besides the fact that they sell well and then you contrast that with dawn of x like we'll get into it next week but marauders has a very strong narrative arc coming out the gate and same with fallen angels and same with x-force and same with new mutants and same with with x-men like they well x-men is is more the the soap opera table setting for hickman laying out the chess pieces for his his grand grand plans for for the x ex, ex and people. excalibur oh and excalibur same thing very clear set of characters set of they set a, a large arc up you know that they're going to get to it self-contained stories that have a clear art style you know that are as unique to their own title versus like Jim Lee gets popular, and oh, we want everyone to draw like Jim Lee. And then you know Jim Lee leaves, and are like shit. And then Joe <laughs> Madger, <laughs> and then Joe Magirera gets popular, and they're like, okay, we want everyone to write, draw like Joe Madureira. And then he leaves, they're like shit. Um, yeah. What, what do you have any thoughts on this? Like long running, long running titles versus these sort of uh, self contained books that you know, will get relaunched every year or two?
1: As a collector, it is way easier for me to have the reboots. Mm. Um, Interesting. Like when I only have to quote unquote worry about like a one through three or one through four book, book set. Yeah. Um, Then when I have the same title and a new number one, I know I can put the last one away because I like to keep my titles together yeah and like the, the through lines together if whether mm. i'm putting it in a box in storage or on sure. my recommended shelf yeah. like i want to keep them in one little spot like immortal hulk is on volume like 10 or 11 okay and it's almost annoying but it's such a good <laughs> story that i'm okay with it yeah um, you know. as opposed to just on my on my recommended shelf i have uh-huh. like Three or four Avengers titles, but they're all very specific runs that cover one story arc. To your point, yeah, and it's easy for me if I if they had kept it all going and it's it's volumes one through four, nine through thirteen, and twenty one through thirty six. So like, oh, that was a really large jump, but like, <laughs> but like, if I had all those numbers, it would be. It's harder for me to go and say this is the story arc that i want to put on here on the shelf yeah and i don't want to have to i don't want to go and tell my friends like yeah go check out volume 20 it's amazing mm. <laughs> it'd yeah. be nice if i could say go check out the first volume of 2019 run mm. Over, like, mm-hmm. something like that it's just yeah, yeah, it's totally. so much easier yeah. conversationally as Absolutely. and again this is just from the collector's perspective well
0: but it's also from a a new reader's perspective too like because you're talking about making recommendations and and you're you know they give jumping on points whereas like i I can't it's very hard for me to be like yeah go read uh (laughs) 126 right exactly like go read the this story arc here that you know, they're referencing plot threads from five years ago and plot threads that they won't resolve for another five years after that. And like, from a long read perspective, I enjoy the, I I enjoy, I mean, one of the things I really enjoy about, about Claremont's run and about the sort of Scott Lobdell dominated run after that on X-Men is that it works like a soap opera, you know, like, you you you're mm. like i gotta i gotta get my stories you know i got <laughs>
1: how,
0: <Yeah>. how how, <laughs> are, all, how yeah. are all my favorite characters doing this month you know yeah. and you kind of get to 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 follow them along and and you know they have little arcs and there are too many characters so they don't their arcs don't happen very quickly but <laughs> you know you, you you get this sort of long-term lived-in feel for these stories that um that is like, like, uh, I know that one of your favorite superhero stories of all time is, um, Straczynski's run on Spider Man, oh, yeah. which lasted a very long time, yeah. And I, I didn't read a lot of it, and I'm sorry because I kept those books for so long without giving them back, <laughs> and didn't read them, but, <laughs> but I imagine that he spent a lot of time like that there that there were plot threads that you know when you have the same creative team on a book for so long you can pick something up and put it away Mm -hmm. for a while Mm -hmm. and then come back to it eventually and kind of just uh you know weave together a real long-form story that at least in contemporary marvel you don't really have the opportunity to if things are getting rebooted over and over again the flip side of that is that you get to introduce things to your friends without just absolutely backing up a dump truck of continuity. on
1: <laughs> Yeah. But it also is fun because you leave those little Easter eggs to mm. have a conversation about it later. Yeah. That and then I, like you know, to get that, them to go and pick up more.
0: That is really true because I, I, What we'll we'll talk about it more when we talk about Dawn of X, but it was shocking to me how much X-Men knowledge, uh, how much of my X-Men knowledge was, was being accessed in this, Mm -hmm. in this big reboot, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're starting clean, but like you don't bother introducing Domino who's not, not a main character, right. you know, yeah. and, and you, and you don't bother introducing how her powers work or what her powers even are. She's on the frame for, you know, she's on page for two minutes. It's her two. She's on, she's on like, yeah, she's on page for like two pages and then she goes away and it's like, what was that all about? You know? Yeah. It, and it's like, it really pulls from a deep knowledge of the characters and their history without Relying on this deep continuity of 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 like purely Easter egg plot plot threads
1: mhm and and as someone that loves to talk about comics, yeah, I love that, yeah, when I'm introducing someone to something and they're like, "Hey, could you tell me more about like silock like what's going on with her I'm like mm. oh, sit down <laughs> 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 but, um, but uh yeah i I have that i so i I do really like that, I feel like. Straczynski's approach to like his storytelling because I okay, I feel like there's two ways to like tell a story. You use eighty five percent of your page to tell the current like trades worth of story, Mm. and use the other fifteen to like string some other stuff along that you want right later. Yeah, or you use all hundred percent and just tell that one story. Right. The way Hickman does it is <laughs> he uses all 100% to tell his one story, but his one story is literally setting up the next story. Yeah. But it's but it's it's its own thi- he I don't understand, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I understand how he does it. He yeah. uses so little text. Yeah. to tell so much. Yeah. It's freaking amazing. Okay. It is. So I feel like we only have time for one of our two questions. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So uh, we should do we should do one of these questions, and next yeah. time maybe we start with the questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks because it doesn't suck, but um, both of these questions are easily twenty minute questions uh, answers. Um, yeah, they they're they very good questions. I really like them.
0: They're fantastic questions. Well, well, Devin's Devin's came in first, so let's. Yes, it did. Let's uh let's honor that. Sure. Sorry, sorry, Kevin. Devin
1: Kevin, we're getting yes. In
0: yeah. Time. Um, our good buddy Devin asks, if you were to write for Marvel, what character or characters would you choose to write about and what would be the storyline? God, such a good question. Fantastic question. And I so I don't I haven't talked about this yet on the podcast, which is uh, interesting, but I, I am a comics creator. I do write comics, but I am more interested in hearing your response to this. Well, okay. I would like for you to go first.
1: All right. So it's it's funny because I don't think I would write a Spider Man book. Mm. Um, one, I don't think I'd be able to write it well. Yeah. But two. One of the things I love about Spider-Man so much is his intelligence and how he works in his engineering and science knowledge into so much of what he does. And I don't have, I don't the like the words that and 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 phrasing that most writers come up with for sciencey, techy stuff. <laughs> I can follow it. I can read it. I will. I've never been able to pick that out in a conversation. And I understand that there's process, and you look words up, and it's fine. You can use the internet. That's what it's for, right? But
0: yeah, Research.
1: I I wouldn't. I have so much fun. Okay, the Spider-Man stories of the last eight nine years. Yeah, I haven't been able to predict how they're gonna finish, mm. and, and that has been so much fun for me. Yeah. Um, Annihilation Scourge, I had an idea of how it was going to end. Sure. A lot of the Avengers crossovers and stuff, I have an idea of how it's going to end. Right. But the Spider-Man stories, for some reason, I I don't know if it's I get so, like, empathically into (laughs) the story that I just want to go for the ride and my mind doesn't want to figure it out. (laughs) Or if I legitimately can't piece together what rabbit they're gonna pull from what hat to make this happen. Yeah. So I don't think it would be a Spider-Man story. Um I'm I'm so obsessed with going for the ride that I think I would go I i, I feel like I would go for something like um a Miss Marvel book. Yeah. Because Miss Marvel, just like Peter Parker or I mean Spider-Man, is it's just as much about the heart of the character. Yeah, as it is the heroics of the character sometimes yeah. if not more
0: yeah absolutely
1: and i be because i my the whole purpose behind my facebook presence is <laughs> to spread some sort of goodness in the ether yeah and i try to inspire the heart as much as i can absolutely i, I feel and like you clearly do I feel like Miss Marvel would be up my alley to kind of do something like that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. She, so many of her like closing arc monologues that she's like having her like little text boxes as we see things wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So many of those inspire me to like, just be good. Mm, (laughs) Um, She's had mm -hmm. some such good writers that like that's, that's what I would want to do. Yeah, I want to write someone who is heart f- and spirit first, heroic second. Absolutely, I think Marvel would be the way to do it. That's awesome. That's very cool. That's my choice. Um, also, I. She's a nerd. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she uses like video game references. And yeah, it's
0: amazing. It's, it's so. <laughs> <great>. <laughs> yeah, I know. I gushed. What was it? Last episode. The episode before. I've already gushed at length about how good. G. Willow Wilson's run on Ms. Marvel and and Adrian Alfona. God damn it. <laughs> but he wasn't the artist through the whole thing. So specifically <laughs> G. Willow Wilson at all. But um Alphona had, had a had a huge huge piece of what that book was as well. But anyway, gushed about how great it is, but it's so great. Um so I my answer to this is complicated because I I go back and forth on what what it would mean to me to write for Marvel. Mm. Because and a lot of this goes to my goals as a creator, as a writer, as a pardon the pretentious term, but as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um I want to tell the stories that are most important to me and the you know I have I I have things to say that's why I'm a writer. And I don't being able to write within the sandbox of Marvel is an opportunity, or or any property, right? Any corporate IP, it is a setting and a and a a, a jumping off point to be able to say some of those stories. Naturally, there is a certain amount of compromise. That's you know that comes with the territory. I think that there are ways to make your mark while still blah blah blah. I, I get that that would be part of it. I don't think that I, I. I think I would, if I ever had the opportunity, I would to write for Marvel. I would take it in a heartbeat, but it's not one of my goals at the moment because I. I want to. My current focus is just on telling as good stories as I possibly can, and just trying to find sort of the 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 types of stories that i only i can tell and that are important to me and telling them as best i can and i at least at where i am currently as a writer it i, I don't think that 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 working within the marvel sandbox would be the most um the the best way to accomplish those goals
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that said boy do i have some ideas for storylines and, and characters who i'd love to pick up and use um okay so be with me here this is with a disclaimer that this isn't everyone's story from this identity but it's a story of that i've heard before and of some people that i know and i think it translates well so i don't there you'll get what i'm going com- coming coming from, for this at the end, but there's a a cynical way of looking at this, like, oh, you're trying to write a trans character. You're trying to you know, pull the lid off like, and and make everything topical and make everything, you know, make everything diverse. And like, uh, I think that's a really cynical way of looking at things from the first place. And I don't think that argument comes from good faith in general, but I understand that it's there. I'm saying that this is a particular trans experience of people that I know. And I think an existing Marvel character fits it perfectly, except for apparently what they've done in the last couple of years of continuity. Uh, And I'm too much of a baby to be like, no, these stories don't matter. So I'll probably never actually do it, but be with me here. You are assigned female at birth and you have a twin brother. You don't really understand why everybody always treats you differently from one another. And you kind of grow up as a tomboy. And you develop powers at a certain age. They're they're powers of the mind, which is an easy place to sort of retreat into. And when you get into using those powers as a hero, um, your costume, which is a very big deal for a hero, obviously, has always been, was always very, um, covered you up a lot bulky armor a hood over your head you were uh covering your body and and you know basically experiencing deep gender dysphoria and you you didn't want to be an embodied person when you're out in the public and out in the limelight and then one day the thing happens you know you you live this high pro this this science fiction life and crazy things happen to people all the time and this thing that you have been dreaming about your whole life finally happens you get a different body but to the cruelest irony in the world it's the same gender and but this one is like so outrageously hypersexualized and you just say fuck it i give up i'm going all the way into it you wear the the full you know thong bikini you know uh Outfit, and you, you know, develop a very violent side to your powers, and you start to live recklessly, and um, and things manifest very violently. Uh, and I, I think that the next stage for that character that makes the most sense is for them to come out as a trans man. Do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Are you talking? Is it? Did this happen to Quanan? Betsy, Ish. Betsy. Okay, yeah. Betsy, talk- Betsy took over Quannon's body. My bad. Right. right. She
0: yeah. she gets the new right. It's Psylocke gets the new body, but to the terrible irony, it's a female body. Hmm. I I really I I would love to see that story, and um, I don't think I'm I'm clearly not the most qualified person to write it, but I think that it is it. Coming from a position of love for the, the 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 character, and also you know love for the the real people in my life who you know that story without the sci-fi elements kind of tracks onto. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would want to be part of bringing that into into existence. Um, the other stories that I have workshopped in my head um one is a sort of working class uh, basically what if there was a, a superhero in the um in Lompoc <laughs> the depressed the, the economically depressed working class town where I spent my early 20s um mm-hmm. and also uh part of high school and um and kind of exploring with a with a uh, compassionate eye the way ignorant people get lured in by racism and this is a t- this is a story that I could tell outside of marvel but if I did tell it within marvel then I would be able to use the name power man which because the character is a white guy people would call him white power man and then he would have to fight against that once he gains some consciousness of why that's fucked up hmm. the other uh, some other ones um i would love to write Col- colossus because he needs a damn break people need to stop torturing my boy peter he yeah. needs he he's a gentle soul he just needs to I want him to have a kid or take care of the kid that he already had with an alien uh, (laughs) who got completely forgot about. And, and just, you know, be a house husband or a single parent. That's fine. You know, be a homemaker, cook, clean, do childcare. Don't, don't just heap more and more tragedy on my boy. Let him paint. And enjoy yeah, the world. Yeah. He he deserves it. And the last two, I would love, when I was a little kid, I had an, a neighbor who, uh, so I am Norwegian and Swedish in uh, ancestry, and it's a very, very small part of my actual lived experience. But when I was a kid, I had a neighbor who was Icelandic, and they gave me a book of Norse Fairy tales, basically, of Norse myths, but interpreted as a children's book. And it, I would, I would love to see a a Thor or Journey into Mystery title that takes its inspiration from that because it's a very different mode of storytelling that I think Mm -hmm. could be really compelling. Maybe only, I'm, maybe I'd be the only person who would enjoy it, but who knows?
1: Journey into Mystery is, I think that would be a fun title to,
0: yeah, hook around with. Yeah. Uh, And the last one is the greatest example why no one should ever, why Mario Wolf should never ever hire me. (laughs) Why I should never be allowed to touch their precious intellectual property because I badly want to make a European vision, a a European version of the character Vision and call him Eurovision. And he would wear... (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) for any listeners who are unaware Eurovision short for the Eurovision song and dance competition and it is a yearly event of insane pop music from all across Europe and we're running short on time so I'm not going to extol my deep deep love of this thing but okay maybe I will it's like because i was i was thinking about this today because i knew that this question was going to come up eventually and i uh i'm not a fan of pop music generally it's it it's the the kind of thing where you said i how you tend to know how some of these comics are going to end like mm-hmm. i i feel like when I'm listening to pop mu- pop song, I know where all of the key changes are going to be. You know, I know like how long it's going to be like, there's nothing in there that is really like exciting or new or interesting. When I'm listening to like uh, most, most American pop music, European pop music, especially at Eurovision is like pop music. It's like alternate reality pop music it's it's like you know it's like the what if oh you just get <laughs> you get three minutes of an alternate universe of what if pop music was something slightly different in a way that you don't know what it's going to be coming into it and I just find that to be absolute brain candy I just can't get enough of it um and it it's just so weird and so different. And I'm just so intrigued by it. And so I, so that's, that's the Eurovision song and dance contest. And I love it. And I just want to write a European vision, you know, uh, wearing a sweater vest who, who oh. uh, makes really, you know, no. un- uncomfortable eye
1: contact. No. And, and no. <laughs> I will say, okay. So I should try to meet you in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Eurovision does exist in 616. The Eurovision
0: um, Song and Dance Contest or European? Yes, okay.
1: No. <laughs> um, Quicksilver and it's got to be
0: Kieran Gillen, right? Nobody else, nobody, nobody else they in the Marvel ro- uh, creator they have, have when the they same. were kids they okay.
1: snuck into Eurovision. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So it's it, it's referenced once in one mm-hmm. panel, okay, but it technically exists in 616. Uh, um, I, uh, I'm I will give you. Maybe there's like a dazzler in oh, Europe. Oh my God! That performs dazzler, at no, Eurovision.
0: no. She no. American dazzler would be a god in Europe. They would just because because they you know <laughs> like you go to like Latvia and not Latvia. Well, maybe Latvia too, and they like just. Got the first Dazzler album from the seventies, and right. they're just like, "This is incredible! This is the best thing I've ever heard." You know, That's as close as I'm
1: going to give you, their
0: funky beats. <laughs> it's all about their funky beats.
1: Um, so we are running out of time. I have two yeah. stories that, and this this shows my frame of reference for you, <laughs> <And> like <laughs> like my point of view of what I think you would excel at. Yeah, um, two stories that I think you could do really well are um, I think you would do a really interesting frontline story. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Frontline, basically the human's point of view of some superhuman event. Yeah. Or, or battle even. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you'd do an interesting one of those and something that I feel like is missing and i don't know if it's because of it happened i know it happened before i started reading marvel heavily but like i feel like it happened off panel but i would like i wouldn't mind seeing you write wonder man's path to pacifism Mm. because he is very much a pacifist now he refuses to fight he is so powerful (laughs) but like (laughs) When he was when he was a human when he was a physical being, he was part movie star, part superhero, and he fought all the time. He died. He got turned into ionic energy. Mm -hmm. He still fought. He has rage issues, and then he's like full pacifist, right? And I don't know if that's ever happened on panel, Mm -hmm. like him journeying into himself and questioning all the things he's done in all the f- superhero battles he's done any he, all the regrets that he apparently has to lead him to become a pacifist yeah i would i, I i'd like to see you write that story Oh thanks man be uh, you being a pacifist <laughs> right sort of <laughs> i i have a deep personal
0: commitment to nonviolence. yes pacifism I think anyway. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Basically, like it it with- I think with pacifism
0: this, is condemnation of all people's violence. I have a a ah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um it start it started as like a like because I feel like something you bring up in conversational critique of a lot of uh movies, TV shows, and video games especially is the general acceptance of of killing. Mm. Um mm-hmm especially unnamed or off-screen uh, yeah. lackeys and villains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, w- how could we tell a story like that within the framework of a Marvel superhero? My knee-jerk was Cap. I mean, he's clearly killed pl- plenty of people. He fought <laughs> yeah. the Nazis. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. um, but like, he doesn't spend much time f- specifically thinking about those that he's killed mm-hmm. but you having never been in war i don't know right. if you'd be able to do <laughs> a story as like as accurately there yeah so like are there other heroes that like have regrets and sure. then I, I thought of um wonder man and his pacifism i was like oh mm. how did he become a pacifist yeah. i legitimately don't know i've never yeah looked at... mm-hmm. it could be a thing but from my current point of view, it's not. And I want you to write it. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, challenge accepted. <laughs> sure. uh, that, I mean, that's a good reason as any to, to make a goal for writing for Marvel. Uh, one, of my, so one of my favorite writers of all time, uh, not a comics writer, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, had a, an aphorism where he's, he said that uh, every good writer should aim to write for one person. One should find one person who, you know, uh, it, it, maybe not all of their work, but everything that they write, they should be writing it for one person. If that person likes it, then it's a success. And if that person likes it, then it has a chance for other people to like it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I cheated. I have two people, <laughs> but you're one of them, you know? Hey. I, and I, especially in comics, I, and I really you know, I want. I I guess that's that's the goal that's worth having. I want to write your favorite comic someday.
1: Mm-hmm. That would that would that would be mind blowing. That would be that would be super cool.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, nothing like something to to keep me motivated. Mm-hmm.
1: That's why we have these conversations. Absolutely. So add, add to your rolodex of things to hit on for Will. There we go. <laughs> Well, good. Yeah, that was so, a fun, that was a fun gush of comic stuff. For yeah, me. this
0: was a fun episode. You want to you want to end it here? Anything you want to say to the good people before we go? Uh,
1: so I had I prefaced this episode to Tara uh, uh-huh. because I because she had an interesting question that I'd like to bring up at some point. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it it was she she the way she. Processes the information that she's gotten. She has some of the greatest questions of just like mm. world building. Like you, you can see her creating her own <laughs> oh, six cool. in her head. It's, like, uh-huh. it's so awesome. awesome. And so I, I, I told her I was like, hey, keep an eye out for this for the topic conversation that I'm going to bring up because I, 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 I hope that she listens to this and continues our little conversation. So um, shout out to Tara there and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to our next pod because we're doing some heavy Donabek stuff.
0: Yes, we are. So smart. yeah, we're going to get into it. Yeah, for real this time. All right, man. Yeah. Yep.
1: All right. So, um, anything you have to say?
0: No, no. I think I'm going to go.
1: All right. I'm, then I'm we about are putting... to uh,
0: to go uh, on a vacation to uh, an A-frame in West Virginia and uh, sit in a hot tub for longer than is probably medically acceptable
1: god i'm so jealous yeah um well until then let's put the outro music here
0: (laughs) all right man take it